From the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome Ran Zhang. Ran is a Shanghai-born, Brooklyn-based playwright, director, and self-described audio gremlin. She is a current member of the WP Lab, Soho Reps Writers and Directors Lab, and is the Beatrice Terry resident at the Drama League. Her recent writing credits include the play Hava, The Giant, and The Oldest Bird at Rattlestick Global Form Festival. In addition, she is the resident director of The Tank, where she directed and composed for the film adaptation of Prometheus Bound. She's also guest directed at Barnard College and Montclair State University, and she is a commissioned playwright at Vanderbilt University. Rand is also a usual suspect at Exquisite, Exquisite Corpse Company, where she provided the sound design for the New York Times critics' pick, Zoetrope, and has also designed sound for productions at Long Island University, Brooklyn, John Jay College, Theater Lab, and many more. We're going to talk to her about her writing, directing, and so much more, but first, let me welcome you, Rand, in What Artworks On Air. It's great to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks been, for having me. You bet. Um, it's been a pandemic. How are you? <laughs> it's, you know, trudging along, doing what we do. Yeah. It's been nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you seem to have more memberships and to different arts organizations than any artist I know. Like, do you have merit badges for these memberships and, like, cards laminated? Uh, it's... Uh, you know, it's great that they're supplying resources to, to you that are helping you realize your projects. Um, and you have so many of them. So uh, just curious, uh, how do you <laughs> harvest all your energy into these? Are they all servicing the same projects? Or were they, are, they, are the memberships taking little pieces of different projects and helping you move them along? Uh, just curious because you seem to have a lot of affiliations. Right. Um I guess the curious part of what we do in the in this industry is you kind of it's kind of like baking. Um, I like to equate doing theater to baking because you collect a lot of materials and you have to sort of multitask. Um, you're whipping the cream in one one of the bowls and then you're melting the butter and then you're also chopping up all of the ingredients and putting them together. But once all of them is mixed together, you kind of just shove it in the oven and wait. So there is a lot of time that's waiting in between projects and then there are also periods where you have to do 10 things all at once. You kind of have to learn how to juggle and then find time to take naps. Mm-hmm. I yeah. found that I, the the older I get, the more I realize how much I love sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe baking less items. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy baking as well. Like for real, not metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> well, which makes the metaphor even more appropriate, I guess, then. Um, so, and I guess too, is like, in, in that vein of like being helpful and um, offering resources and time because time's a big part of doing a project too, allowing a, the time for things to mix and gel and come mm-hmm. together. So you have, um, you know, something at the end of it all um, that 
may or may not taste good. Who knows? But you, you have to try anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's and the process is 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 very much the the journey as as much as value in it as the product itself. Yeah, I guess that's the part of our job that's unseen. I guess yeah. because so for instance, Hava the Giant um, is a play that I've. That I started writing in 2018, mm-hmm. and it didn't really see the light of day until last year, right? In uh, in front of the audience, so it might seem like I'm churning out three plays a year, but in truth, it's you know a lot of the work goes into it was in the past four or five years yeah. of kind of picking up different pieces and eventually presenting. Right. And that was a reading just to pick up on that for a second. Um, that was a reading you did at Rattlestick, um, with, uh, my colleague, you, um, down there from my Columbia program days. And, um, and just for you people who don't know, it's a kind of a new, uh, global forms theater festival that they put together down there. And so, um, so what were you, what were you focused on? Because you said it's a process, and where in the process did that? Did you? I guess where, where were you going into trying to get out? Like, what were you trying to get out as a writer through that festival? Um, yeah, that specific festival was interesting because as so it was a reading, a, right? It was a reading. It was a staged reading. Yeah. So actors had scripts in their hands. But we also incorporated uh, musical elements as well as um, certain design elements, including puppetry and shadow puppetry as well as um, wearable puppetry. Um, And because of the contracts that we were following under, there was a lot of interesting juxtaposition of performers doing stuff as well as stage crew or designers jumping in to like fulfill certain uh, elements to realize the visual aspects of what is possible. So that's kind of how I see readings or stage readings and like workshops, anything between the draft and the final production. Everything is sort of inviting the audience to see what you can see as a writer or a director or um, because you can see the potential Mm -hmm. and you can kind of uh, invite people in to taste a little bit of what might be possible if by some miracle you get the appropriate resources to actually put it up. Right. And I assume they gave you those appropriate resources. Um, Well, or or did they not? Just curious um, as far as like for, for that process. For that stage, it was not um, envisioned to be a fully-fledged production. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of just a a sandbox where you could throw some ideas into it. And we had a really fast turnaround time. So it was lovely to work with all of the collaborators, um, especially... Well, the the Beatrice Terry residency um, was where I spent an entire year sort of continue to craft this script Mm -hmm. with my collaborators. And it culminated into putting this into a part of that festival. So those two programs kind of um, played out in tandem with each other. Very cool. Very cool. That's kind of going back to what I said earlier. It's like you kind of thanks for kind of like 
piecing it together there because, uh, you know, hopefully these memberships and workshops and culminating into public-facing performances of some mm-hmm. kind, whether it's a reading or a workshop or a full production, um, that it's, it's, it's all cascading and leaning towards a forward momentum with the exit, the ideas. And hopefully you've leaned ideas from that reading that were helpful or not helpful based off of your experience of how fast it was, you know, was it 29 hour reading then? Was it kind of what that it was? one. Yeah. yeah. That one was, um, I mean, those numbers are kind of arbitrary, right? Like, cause well, it's, it's 29 hours. You get to work with certain people you're working on it. You can't even count the number of hours. Um, and, and with the phone calls and the conversations and the emails and, you know, the late night bar, <laughs> you know, what do you really think of this now? Now that I'll have the other side of the rehearsal room. Um, Somatic text messages. Yeah. People. Yeah. But, I, but it, kind of what you said, we were talking a little bit off camera coming into it too. It's like, there's like a flush and rush of energy now for a lot of people trying to get things done. And so it's great in a lot of ways that so much energy is focused on that work. And uh, so what are the next steps for it? For this particular piece, um, I think I've sent them, sent it out to uh, a couple of grants. And uh, my, I have some long-term uh, relationship with certain theater companies that I'm hoping to work together on it because this is this is a piece that's pretty near to my heart so I'm hoping to see it um in a as fulfilled form as possible um that I can sort of not not to say control but um since I'm a writer director I'm hoping that I could direct a premiere production of it whatever that means mm-hmm. in new york or elsewhere yeah. it's very possible like, listen you have, you have the rights to the show you can do what you want to with it you have approval of the director it could That's be you <laughs> <laughs> um or it could be someone else you want to work with you never know um but you know sometimes we'll say this sometimes you we're, we're forced to compromise at times to move uh shows forward um but uh no, it sounds like you're in a really good place, and uh, we look forward to hopefully in the next year to see the next iteration of it. it, it so do you think it'll be a full production or it'll be another workshop? Um, I'm not really sure because this year um, I actually put that piece on the shelf a little bit okay. because um, both the Soho Rep, res, uh, the Soho Rep Lab as well as the WP Lab has started, so I'm kind of focusing and rechanneling my energy to. Um, this new original piece that I'm generating with okay. this whole rep lab, right. as well as gearing towards building that community and connecting with colleagues um, who are my, uh, my new peers with the WP lab. Congrats on both of that. Thank and uh, my friend Maropi is just leaving Soho rep now, actually. Um, and uh, such great work. Uh, and Lisa McNulty is doing a great job at yeah. WP as well. Another former colleague and uh, or current colleague, I guess from we're all theater makers here. Um, but uh, great. So what's the piece you're working on now? Um, so for Soho Rap, my creative collaborator, Risa Puno, um, who created uh, The Privilege of Escape, um, which is where we met, the two of us are designing sort of a tabletop role play game inspired um, game 
theatrical experience that's coming from the point of view of Asian females. Mm -hmm. And during the pandemic, we kind of reconnected after having collaborated that one time that we were both experiencing a lot of increased amount of anti-Asian sentiments during the pandemic, which kind of spiked high. Yeah. So we were kind of just self-examining the more heightened emotions that's akin to rage or anger, um, but in a way cannot really be accessible to us in mm -hmm. many ways. We also bonded over the fact that we both play D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and it's made a big resurgence <laughs> since Stranger Things, I have to say. Yeah, it is. And yes and no for <laughs> us theater people, I guess, yeah. because... We've always been doing it. Collective storytelling. <laughs> yeah. It is what we do. That's right. D&D, um, the only difference is that there's no set. Um, so we sort of keep telling the story, doing yes ending. Right. Um so we collect, we connected over that, share the hobby, and started talking about how rage as an emotion is a mechanism that this specific class barbarian in the D and D players rule books use to channel their uh, power mm -hmm. or protect themselves in in one sense. Um, so we wanted to kind of dig a little bit more into that and see how this emotion or rage um, manifests or play out depending on who you are or what your background is. Very cool. Looking forward to the uh, next iteration of that. Yeah. On it. So is your primary focus now on writing or writing or directing or, or just directing? I mean, you have those labs now too because I was um, – Looking back, what you did the past year, you were very busy as a director. You did, um, I know you did Sarah Rules Orlando at Barnard. Mm -hmm. um, another friend of mine, Julian Evans, providing sound design. And um, you're. I'm a big fan of Julian. Julian's a good guy. He's doing yeah. sound design for my show at the York coming down now, coming up. I'll see, I'll see him on Monday. Um, Say hi for me. <laughs> I will, I will. And, um, you know, it's. Uh, it's in your in your in your you mentioned other ones too at Montclair State. So just curious if you're uh, if you're trying to stretch your legs as a director now too. I think somehow somewhere in my career I made that accidental pivot into wearing the director hat as my primary practice mm -hmm. of um, artistic practice, and I do really enjoy it because I think. As a director, you could really realize the function of art maker as a builder of community. And uh, a mentor once mentioned that being a director means you have to be an excellent translator. You have to speak the language of every single collaborators you mm -hmm. work with and make sure that everybody is on the same page and make sure in the room you can... Uh, empower everybody and make sure everybody realize their agency to be a active contributor of a project that you ultimately create together. Mm -hmm. um, and you still have to take the responsibility as the captain of the ship. Um, you know, you stay with the ship if it sinks. So 
it it's very rewarding and there is also a little bit more structure when it comes to working as a director mm-hmm. as opposed to working as a writer you have i think for me having responsibility is very helpful because as a writer nobody's telling me to do anything nobody's there's no parameters yeah like nobody wants me to write anything for real um i'm just kind of working for myself and i don't have a deadline really because mm-hmm. nobody cares um i mean a lot of people care i i guess but well, once, you, once you get a commission people care <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but you know you can't really have a steady stream of commission work as no, a writer and you exist, have to yeah. sort of um very few people. search your passion and realize that you really want to work on this thing and then a lot of time it's really elusive like the muse doesn't really come whenever you want to come but as a director i think there is more discipline and it is a more honorable skill um that i happen to also really enjoy and i really love building worlds um and realizing other writers internal like artistic fantasy dreams onto the stage and figuring out how to solve problems yeah but your i think your writing background helps you too um cuz i mentioned I hope before so. you've done well my point is like if you cuz you're trying to interpret the work right mm-hmm. and you know films are different the director's medium in film it's the writer's medium in theater um and so you know you're telling you're what tools can you use to tell that story, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can speak the different languages of the people who are on and off stage only helps you in deciphering what that story is for today, for this audience now. You know, someone else will do it, or you will perhaps do it differently in five years or something like that. Yeah, it's been so <laughs> interesting stepping a little bit into the film world because as a theater director, you're sort of more or less... You, you more so stay in the, in, in the neutral ground mm-hmm. and you make sure what you see is going to translate to what everybody sees. Mm-hmm. But with film, it almost feels like you want others to see what you see. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't even know if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, you, don't, you can't control it, but you, you can control their perspective, you know. Yeah. They, they still have the wheels turning and their own, their own experiences inform what they're taking from what they see. Mm-hmm. But, but you are guiding their perception, unlike theater, where it's all out there. And they can, perhaps it's a director, you can yeah. hope, hopefully can shepherd them towards, you know, the story and the play that you want them to follow and the playwright wants them to follow to be able to interpret, you know, that theme or storyline uh, that works really well. But um, but no, I th- but I, do you think you're you're now that you've directed a few things? It's uh, informed your writing. I think so, absolutely. Um, I think it's more freeing um, as a writer. Um, okay, I I rewind. So I think it's more freeing for me to be a writer if I know I'm going to direct my own work because then I can go really wild with my stage direction knowing that when I'm directing it myself I'm not going to care what I had written. <laughs> now we're about offending anybody I guess, yeah. right? 
Um, so the city direction can be just very um, not realistic, mm-hmm. but convey a sense of what my mind was when I was writing this particular section. Then when I look back, I can sort of land wherever that is as opposed to like, I don't need to write down that I need a couch because that, that can come later. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So also putting another hat on is your own sound designer hat because you're skilled in that area of the world as well. Um, and so in addition to being an audiophile, I'd be remiss not to mention the cool sound installation you contributed to our culture hub we did a few years back. Uh, and also uh, we just had another fun installation of you from the shelves um, at the uh, Greenlight Bookstore in uh, Exits Fort oh, Green. I didn't. Uh, Was that part of yours? Or no? I didn't work on the sound, but I I wrote the script. <clears throat> oh, you wrote the script. I wrote okay. The play. I wasn't sure of how it was, but because but because you've done the audio experiences before, I didn't know how you. Dina Valsi, the director, who's also now my cohort at the WP Lab, mm-hmm. directed the piece, who also spearheaded the project, gotcha. among uh, along with other friends, and uh, Brent Arnold. Um, did the sound. Oh, okay. It was brilliant. Gotcha. Was not yeah. sure. Thanks for saying that. Um, so are you, are you focused on any other kind of like sound installation pieces uh, or any kind of, um, I don't know how you say it, the, um, any projects uh, like the stuff you've done at the Arctic Group too that you had uh, a few years back and yeah, was curious I, about, the, about the whole ideas of exploring different ideas and I've installations. Thought- I thought I was going to continue doing it because I started doing Harmony in 2016 when I was back home. And looking back, I feel like I was doing social distance theater before social distance theater (laughs) became a necessity. And then I thought I was going to continue doing one of them every year. But then I think audio theater became kind of, that scene kind of exploded. And I was feeling like, there is no need for me to um, keep churning out material just because I felt like I needed to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did Harmony and then Echo and Siren, it was an instinct and then became a thought-out trilogy in a way. But then after that, I feel like it was a good time to hit pause on that chapter and explore something else um but also like integrate my interest in uh music and you know audio design composition that sort of thing um i started writing more music because accidentally also because it kind of the job required it Mm -hmm. and I kind of just started realizing that I enjoyed writing songs sometimes um what's your instrument to write with my keyboard okay yeah I'm a classically trained pianist when I was growing up so that still is a hobby um even today um yeah but I I enjoy doing sound engineering sound designing but I wouldn't say I necessarily seek that out as a primary outlet mm-hmm. for arts. Um, I work as an audio producer occasionally with um, Black Revolutionary Media. 
and they always do really exciting and poignant works. So I enjoy doing that. Very cool. Very cool. So it sounds like it's been a stepping stone to help you keep informing your own work again and, and pushing yourself forward as a creator, uh, whether it's technically or you know, leading you to writing more music. Uh, so it's all been building and culminating, which is great. Um, and I wanted to go back with, with that. I also wanted to go back to something you said earlier about, you know, finding the collaborations and, and, and moving it forward and the directing, helping your writing and things like that. Um, how, now that you've been through these different partnerships and you've had the experience with Rattlestick recently and you're the WP lab and moving forward with, um, Soho Rep as well. Like what have you learned from these collaborations outside yourself? Cause you've always been kind of insular, insular in many ways, um, that have helped you move forward in, um, like you said, trying to seeing the whole picture and moving yourself forward. Um, collaboration as in like being a part of another company's project or, I mean, yeah. I can speak to that because I think as an artist, I feel like I am perfectly fine with being the support. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like, kind of like being in a D and D party of adventure, right? Like you can't, you have to sort of consider who you are and who you are in relation to your whole team because you're working towards the same goal, and right. nobody is against anybody else. So, for instance, if I'm signing on to be a collaborator on a project, um, I'm very willing to take a step back and support somebody else's vision or somebody else's idea. And because ultimately, I think we all just keep, we are all constantly inspiring each other in this industry. We're all colleagues. Um, does that make sense? I, I don't no, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. It all does, but it, it, it does make sense. It's saying you're you're playing your role literally from not just your character in D and D, but yeah, also you're playing your role that you that's been you maybe prescribed a role, but you're but every it's just a title. You have to actually figure out if I'm interpreting you correctly how your your relationship to each other as part of that you're all part of that whole and figuring out your relationship with each other and yeah. how you can serve that whole because you can't it's also exhausting to be leading every single project that you work on because yeah. that's not what being an artist is i think um you kind of take stock and practice your skills or whatever um through like helping others or mm -hmm. helping an idea and then turning it into your own idea somehow. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that makes perfect sense. And so what can we look forward uh, this next year? Um, what, what are you going to focus on through these labs and in you, and your own work? Um, so I'm working on the lab and we have a midterm presentation next year, uh, followed by a final presentation in the, in the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, I am directing a piece at the tank this coming season, which I'm excited about. Um, what else? Well, I'm currently assisting... Uh, Eric Tin, who is a director uh, working on 
uh, Lloyd Saw's new play, The Far Country, mm-hmm. which is um, set in San Francisco uh, in the early 20th century. And it's sort of about the history of um, the Chinese Exclusion Act in the early 20th century after the railroad. Um, as well as the Angel Island Detention Center. No. And when does that begin? Uh, begins on the 17th. All right. You. So at yeah. the Atlantic, correct? Mm-hmm. So people can check out the work there. And Eric knows a lot about San Francisco since he just came from there, I believe. Wasn't he at San Francisco Shakespeare Festival mm-hmm. for many years? And, he's, he, and I think he just, uh, just moved on, I think. Uh, so you can catch uh, the show at Atlantic coming up. Um, well, Rand, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, nice. thanks for sharing all your exciting projects coming up. And uh, before I make you, uh, you move on to your technical rehearsal later today, uh, where can people go to find out more about your current and forthcoming projects? Yeah, uh, I have to update it as well. But my website is info. Don't get .info much these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, surprisingly, .org was taken with my name. Well, wow. do you so, find out who had it? No, oh. no, it was it was like a broken link when I tried to yeah. like find that website. But some info are, is nice. Some people are just info is great. Yeah, um, makes you seem approachable. Just yes, in- well, we're Inwood Artworks NYC, and so slightly different as well, but very local. So it makes sense for us yeah. too. You know. Uh, well, listeners, you can find that link uh, in the description of this episode. So make sure it gets out there for everybody to check out. Um, and she'll be updating it. So stay tuned, folks, okay? Uh, well, again, thanks, Rand, for joining us on this Artist Spotlight episode of Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes uh, who make their home here for Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here at Inwood NYC and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. You can also uh, donate via Venmo at Inwood Artworks. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And What Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.